My wife, Jenny, and I, we met the Minsters in fall of 2006. Don Minster is a doctor. He is one of those guys that never met a stranger. His wife, Deb, she was one of those people that when she walked into a room and she would smile, the whole room would brighten up. When we met them, their daughter, Molly, was a teenager, and she took just after Deb, looked just like her, had that same smile. You would look at the Minsters and think, man, they're just the perfect family. I'm sure you guys know families like that. Everyone, you feel like everyone in the church knows who they are. They loved well, and they were loved well in the church. Fast forward just a little bit, January of 2007. Jenny and I, we are getting ready. We go to church. It's a brisk and beautiful January morning. We go in to worship and have worship just like we had. It was awesome. It was amazing. And we sit down after the worship center, and Jenny notices some flowers on the piano. She leans over to me, and she says, Ryan, what do you think those flowers are for? I said, what flowers? She said, that huge bouquet on the piano up there. I said, are you sure that they're not there every week? She said, no, they're not there every week. It's the first time. And just so you know, I am just as unobservant about those things today as I was back then. Quick case in point. About a month ago, get home, kids, kids are put to bed, and Jenny says, Ryan, what do you think about the new plant in the bedroom? I look over, and we've got two plants. I said, the one on the right? She said, no, the one on the left. She said, the one on the right's been there for a couple of years. But anyways, back to my story. So she says, Ryan, what do you think those flowers are for? I'm like, I, I have no idea. The pastor, he comes up at the end of the service and he says, these flowers, they're up here to commemorate the loss of one of ours. It was about two years ago that we lost Emily Minster. Jenny and I looked at each other. We said, we didn't know that the Minsters had another daughter. She had passed just two years ago. It was one of the greatest crises that church had faced, and one of the, certainly the greatest crisis that the Minsters had ever faced. Have you ever been in the midst of a crisis? Maybe you've come in this morning, and you're smack dab in the middle of crisis right now. You feel as though... Your marriage is falling apart, and that there is nothing that you can do to bring about resolution in your marriage. Maybe you have a loved one who's just found out that they have a short time to live. Maybe you are struggling with work, and your financial instability is just is suffocating you this morning. Or maybe you can relate to the Minsters. You've had something happen in your life, this huge crisis that has and that will forever affect who you are. Maybe you too have lost a child. Maybe you have suffered some sort of physical or verbal abuse that has just left these deep emotional scars that you feel will never be healed. Maybe you've been abandoned at some point in your life by someone very close to you. Maybe this morning you are sitting here and you think, man, I have never been through crisis. If this is you, then praise God for that. But unfortunately, most likely you will at some point in your life. And if you haven't, I guarantee you have someone close to you in your life that has. 
The question I have for each person in this worship center as we open up God's word this morning is this. How do you respond in the midst of crisis or how will you respond in the midst of crisis? Our culture encourages us to profane the name of God in the midst of crisis, but our faith encourages us to praise the name of God in the midst of crisis. Please open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We are looking at verses 23 to 27 today. If you're new with us, or maybe you've missed a couple of weeks, we've been on this awesome journey through the book of Hebrews chapter 11 specifically, and we've been walking through the hall of faith. And we've read time and time again that by faith, men and women have walked in obedience to God. And because of these heroes, we've called this series Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. And we look to their faith, and I pray that we might imitate the ways in which they have followed God by their faith. This morning, we turn our attention to a man named Moses. He's probably one of the most popular characters, one of the most popular people in all of the Bible. He has done a lot of crazy things. And many of us know about Moses, if not from church, in in our culture, we know about it from movies. Been several movies about Moses. One of the first ones was 1956. If you grew up in that era, then you know the movie probably The Ten Commandments. If you're from my generation, there was an awesome cartoon movie called The Prince of Egypt from 1998. And unfortunately, some of you young people, you may not have seen either of those. You've only got this movie called Exodus that came out in 2014. I've not seen it, but I heard it's awful, so I would not suggest watching it. But from the burning bush to Moses saying, let my people go, from the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, Moses has a movie screen worthy life. However, today we get an awesome opportunity. We get to read about Moses from a New Testament perspective in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at his faith. We're going to look at his faith. Most people if you've been in church for a while, then you associate Moses to what is known as the law. Moses wrote the law, the first five chapters of the book of the Bible. But here, as we look today, it is Moses' faith rather than the law that is commended. It's his faith. And you see, the writer of Hebrews, he understood this. His audience were some Jewish people, some Hebrew people, and they knew a lot about Moses, and they knew that Moses was connected to the law, and so they saw the law as being important. But today, we turn our attention to Moses' faith, and specifically, we're going to unpack his faith in the midst of some crisis points in his life. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. It says this, by faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, He left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Each time we read this phrase, by faith in this section, we see a crisis point in Moses' life. 
Therefore, I'd like to spend our time this morning diving into this text and providing three aspects of faith that Moses or Moses' family had in the midst of these crises. And my prayer is, is that you might evaluate your faith, or maybe you might evaluate your lack thereof, and apply these truths to your life in such a way that your faith would point you and others to Jesus in the midst of our crises, in the midst of our hardships. First aspect we see here of faith is the courage of faith. We see the courage of faith. In verse 23, we see the courage of faith from Moses' parents. So from this, we know that the writer of Hebrews is referring back to a couple of chapters in the book of Exodus. I'm not going to flip back there and read all of that for you, but I do think it's important that I give you a quick synopsis and fill in a few gaps if you're unfamiliar with the story of Moses. So at the end of Exodus chapter 1, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he makes this edict and he says that all Hebrew sons are to be thrown into the Nile, that are to be killed. This is the life that Moses is born into. Now, rather than obeying this edict, Moses' parents, their names were Amram and Jacobed, they decided to hide Moses for three months. So, Because of their faith, Moses' parents showed great courage. How do we know this? Verse 23 of chapter 11, back in Hebrews, it says that they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, at first glance, as you're looking at that verse, it's easy to skip past the true meaning of this. Notice with me that it says that they were not afraid. Think about that for a moment. If you're a parent, put yourself in Moses' parents' place. If you heard this edict that you were to throw your kid into the river, what would your response be? Most of us would be afraid of this edict, right? So they had two choices then. They could either have their son be killed and they would be okay, they would save their own lives, or they could attempt to save their son's life and risk their own lives. Moses' parents did what was right in the face of persecution, and by faith, they put their own lives at risk. It was by their faith. It says so right there in our text. By their faith, they did this. I think many parents today, I, I, I probably would be among those parents. I would probably try and hide my child, but I would do it out of fear, right? I would do it out of fear that my child would be killed, and I would be afraid that if I hid my child, that they would then come after me. In fact, out of fear, I'd probably go on, a run, on the run. And that's not what Moses' parents do. You see, when you respond to crisis with fear, your faith is in yourself. When you respond to crisis with courage, your faith is in God. After we found out that the Minsters had lost their teenage daughter, we went to a couple of our really close friends, the Van Clives. They were really close with the Minsters. And so we asked a little bit about the Minsters, what had happened over the past two years. They said that the Minsters were so courageous. Their faith had been there through it all in the midst of this crisis, so much so that their faith was pointing people back to Jesus Christ. In his book, The Promise, our lead pastor down there in Nashville, his name's Robert Morgan. He wrote this. He wrote this about the Sunday following this tragedy. He wrote this. He said, I had prepared my sermon a month earlier 
as the first in a series of messages on the theme of God's providential oversight of our lives. The truth of Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love God. Now, I hesitated to preach on this subject at all, for it almost sounded glib amid the tears to declare that all things work out for good. But Scripture teaches that we have a God who turns our problems inside out, all of our perils and our perplexities. None is to be excluded for those who are God lovers, those called according to his purpose. He goes on to write this about that Sunday morning. Sitting sadly in the front pews were Emily's father, mother, sister, and boyfriend. After the service, they embraced tearful well-wishers and drove home to find an army of friends gathered with food and fortitude. It was something during the afternoon that they happened to notice the Bible verse inscribed on that day's page of their desk calendar. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. The ministers cherish that tattered calendar page to this day. It's one of the most prized possessions, and as they cherish the paper, they are the resting and the promise it conveys. You see, friends, the courage of faith doesn't come from a place of knowing that everything will be all right according to the world's world's standards. But just like Moses' parents, just like Emily's parents, the courage of faith comes from a place that knowing that God is sovereign, that he works all things out, both the trials and the tribulations and the crises and in the triumphs and the good times, he works all things out for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We must have courage in our crisis. Our faith brings about this courage that should point people to Jesus. Second, characteristic of faith we see here in our text is the sacrifice of faith. So in verse 23, we see the courage of faith. In verses 24 through 26, we see the sacrifice of faith. So let's go back to second chapter of Exodus. We last left the story of Moses. Um, His parents, they've chosen to hide him for three months. Because of this, they are putting at risk their own lives But after three months, here's what they decide to do. They decide to take Moses, they put him in a bed, they put him on the river next to the Pharaoh's daughter. They send along Moses' sister with them. So what happens? The Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. She notices that this is a Hebrew boy. She sees this Hebrew girl there, and she says to this Hebrew girl, I need you to find a Hebrew mother in order to nurse this baby for me. Of course, who does... Moses' sister, go and get Moses' mother. So what I believe and what most scholars believe is for the next three to five years, Moses is nursed and lives with his mom. Learns about the fact that he's a Hebrew and all of the Hebrew waves. But after that, our text um, in, in Exodus tells us that he then goes back and becomes the Pharaoh's daughter's son. He spends the next several years being the prince of Egypt. All right. After this time, though, we fast forward. He's grown up, and then I think most of us know the story. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Moses steps in because he recognizes that the Hebrew people are his people, and what happens is, is he kills the Egyptian. From that, says that Moses then flees and goes to a place called Midian. So with all of this context, let's jump back, Hebrews 
chapter 11, looking at verses 24 through 26. I want you to focus in on a couple of words. If you like to write in your Bible or if you're taking notes in the back, I would encourage you to write these words down. Notice the words refuse and choosing, or refuse and choose. Moses refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and because of this, he's also refusing the fleeting pleasures of sin. But Moses is choosing or chooses to be mistreated, and I really like this word, with the people of God. Most people sacrifice any kind of mistreating for that which is fleeting. Moses sacrifices that which is fleeting in order to be mistreated. So by faith, in the midst of this crisis, Moses sacrifices it all. He sacrifices wealth, fame, stability. He sacrifices the royal family. Why? Because he considered the reproach of Christ greater than all. Look with me at verse 26. This is one of the most important things you can read in this entire text. He considers the reproach of Christ greater than everything. And because of that, he was looking forward to a reward, a future reward. This is the same reward that all of our heroes of faith are looking to in chapter 11 and eternity with God. So important. But I want to unpack for us really quickly the reproach of Christ. What does this mean? How is the reproach of Christ a greater wealth than anything else? Let's look at it really quickly. If you're, if you're falling asleep a little bit, if you're, if you're not tracking with me, lean in. This is so important for us. I want to do my best to briefly explain this. Now, another word for reproach, or there, there are several, is disgrace, disapproval, disappointment. And as I said earlier, the audience for this letter is the Hebrew people. They know Moses well, and they know that the law is important. And so now... Now that they've heard about Jesus, now that they followed after Jesus, they're a bit confused. They think that the law is the more, most important thing. But what the author of Hebrews is telling his readers and what he's telling us today is, is that Jesus is more important than the law. Faith in Jesus is more important than the law. The reproach of Christ is more important than the law. The disgrace of Christ, the disapproval of Christ, the humiliation of Christ on the cross. The death of Christ on the cross is what he's talking about here. Christ sacrificed everything the world had to offer for the humiliation of the cross. And Moses sacrificed everything the world had to offer, the crown of Egypt, the wealth of Egypt, the treasures of Egypt for a reproach of the wilderness. And Moses' life this sacrifice points to Jesus. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. And because of this, he wants his readers in Hebrews to imitate Moses by giving up fleeting temporal pleasures that come through sin and focusing in on the eternal joy that comes through Jesus Christ. Most likely, though, if you're in the midst of crisis right now, sacrificing anything seems really, really hard. I can't imagine can't imagine what the ministers had to go through. Sacrificing anything in the midst of that would be so, so hard. In the midst of great humiliation, though, in the midst of great torture, Jesus Christ sacrificed it all. And because of his sacrifice, he encourages us to sacrifice. So, in your situation, how in your faith can you sacrifice in the midst of crisis? third thing we see here, the final thing, the final aspect of faith 
we find out from Moses' example is the endurance of faith. In verse 23, we see the courage of faith. In 24 through 26, we see the sacrifice of faith. And finally, in verse 27, we see the endurance of faith. Let me read that verse for us again. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, there's a little bit of debate as to what the Hebrews author is referring to when he says that Moses was not afraid when he left Egypt. Okay, there are some people who think that this refers to when Moses first leaves Egypt and goes off to Midian. However, I would disagree, and I would agree with others that have this thought, that this is when Moses leads his people out of Egypt after the plague. The reason for this is because in Exodus chapter 2 and in verse 14, it says that Moses was afraid when he fled from the Pharaoh and went to Midian. This is another huge point of crisis in the life of Moses. But everything that's led up to that point has allowed for his faith to endure in this time. Look with me at the end of verse 27. How is he able to endure? He keeps his eyes on that, on the one who is invisible. He keeps his eyes on God throughout the whole thing. Despite giving up everything, Moses' faith endured. Despite being in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses' faith endured. Despite being not a great speaker, Moses' faith endured. Despite Pharaoh not giving in after the first nine plagues, Moses' faith endured. Because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible, the God of the Jews, the God of all, the God of everyone who believes in him, and ultimately, this points to the fact that he had faith in the Messiah who was to come, Jesus Christ. It was a Friday night, January the 7th in 2005. Emily Minster was driving home, 16-year-old girl, driving home alone, was less than a mile from her home, and a drunk man swerved across the road and hit her, hit her car. Several minutes later, she was airlifted to Vanderbilt Medical Center. By the time her parents got there, Deb went to go sit with her by her side, holding her hand, talking with her with no response. Don was in the other room, talking with the surgeons, and after seeing the x-rays of his poor baby girl, he knew that his daughter would not make it. And again, in his book, Pastor Rob Morgan, he recounts what happens in the early morning that Saturday. It says, about four in the morning, Dawn, her father, lifted a hand to heaven and began praying, Lord, I'm Emily's earthly father, but I've come to the end, but I've come to the end of what I can do for her. I commit her into the hands, excuse me. I commit her into the hands of her heavenly Father. Please send your angels to conduct her safely and swiftly home. Give her joy as she opens her eyes and sees Jesus. Thank you, oh thank you, God, for the years that she was with us, for the joy she brought our home. Now, may she bring joy to your heavenly home, Lord, as we commit her into your presence. In their greatest moment of crisis, the ministers kept their eyes on Jesus. Because their faith had endured up to that moment, their faith endured through that moment. And guess what? Their faith endures today. 
I don't believe that anything happens by coincidence with God. On Monday night, after the kids were put to bed, Jenny said, I had a really unusual conversation today. She said, I, I, I ended up communicating with Deb Minster. This was on Monday night, this past Monday. I said, what happened? She said, well, I have this app. It's called Marco Polo. It's where you video FaceTime people. Not really sure exactly how it works. But anyways, um, she accidentally dropped her phone, and in doing so, sent a message to Deb Minster of all the people in her phone. And so accidentally doing that, she reached out to Deb and said, hey, Deb, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, And then she was telling me this story, and I said, Jenny, you're never going to believe this. I know we haven't spoken to the Minsters in years. I said, but I'm actually going to share their story this Sunday. I said, and I, I was contemplating whether or not I should, I should use their names. I said, but ha- having you told me this, I believe you should reach out to Deb and see if I can share their names. And this is how Deb responded. She said, of course, Ryan, you can share our story. He said, our, our story has only pointed people to Jesus. Their faith endured because they kept their eyes on Jesus. Faith in the midst of crisis. It's a tough topic. It's a hard topic. But what does this look like in your life? What does this look like for you as we finish out this morning? How can you take what we've talked about and apply it this week? We've seen Moses' parents. They had courage in their faith in a great moment of crisis. How might God be calling you to show courage in your faith? Maybe you have a similar story to the minsters. And the crisis that you faith has drawn you closer to Jesus. And maybe you can use that story to share your faith. Have courage to take that. God will use that. Because all things work for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We saw how Moses, by faith, he sacrificed everything. Sacrificed it all and looked forward to a greater reward. How might... God be calling you to sacrifice in your faith? How might he be calling you to sacrifice in your faith during a time of crisis? Maybe for you, you're financially in time of crisis. He might be calling you to sacrifice in that. Maybe for you, in your marriage, you're struggling and you're in crisis. He might be sacrificing for the betterment of your marriage. How can you do that this week? And finally, we read how Moses endured against great opposition to see the one who is invisible. How can you use an enduring faith to show other people to the invisible God? Friends, unfortunately, you have been in crisis, you are in crisis, or you will go through crisis at some point in your life. And my prayer this morning is this, for each and every one of us, that we would rest in the one who had great courage when he went to the cross, that we would rest on the one who sacrificed it all on the cross, that we would rest on the one who endured all the weight of sin as he died on the cross, and that we would fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ.